Hey everyone, it's Hannah Bayshuck with Shit You Should Probably Know, the podcast where we actually talk about the shit you're too embarrassed to admit you don't actually know. So today we have Jessica Givens. She's a registered and licensed dietitian for almost 10 years now with experience in pediatrics, weight management, renal nutrition, and clinical management. Jessica, we're so excited to have you. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for this opportunity. And um, yeah, nutrition obviously is a passion of mine. So I can't wait to talk about all the, all the things with you. So what is diet culture to you? Because I get confused when you hear diet culture. It can be positive. It can be negative. What does that mean to you? So for me, it kind of has more of a a negative stigma attached to it. So when I think diet culture, I'm thinking more like just a hyper focus on weight and weight loss and just prioritizing appearance over your general well-being and you know, there's no one size fits all with nutrition or, or diets in general. So I think it's, it's kind of helping people navigate through all of the different diets that are out there and understanding that it may not be the right thing for you. One thing that's right thing for you is not the right for the the person next to you. It's like fashion. I know I'm wearing something right now that I'm gonna look back and cringe over. Just like I look back and cringe over things that I wore when I was 16, right? But I think it's the same for diets. Like I look back at high school and I'm like, I remember friends were on the special K diet or friends were on like these like pickle juice diets. So I guess my question for you is what diets, I think we all know those are not good diets, but what diets exist right now that you think are toxic? They're not progressing us to a healthier place. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of them though, that comes to mind with like toxic or just not going to work diets is the alkaline diet, which has been out there for years. And it claims that it can, you can change the pH of your body by the types of foods that you eat, whether they're more alkaline or more acidic. And it's just an education opportunity because you cannot change the pH of your body. You would be in the hospital if you were like too acidic or too alkaline, um, whatever that means. So it's just helping people, I think, understand the basic body chemistry as well, that you have organs, you have mechanisms in your body that are built in to protect you. So some of these things like eating um, really super acidic foods or really basic foods or like alkaline water, I've seen that out there it's really not, it's not going to do anything to change what's already happening in your body. Um, so yeah, you know, just the, the trendy diets out there, there's, and there are good ones. I mean, like the Mediterranean diet, you may have heard that one out there or. Yeah. I was going to ask what good diets do you get all like the keto diet or paleo diet? Like are those, when I say those words, are you like, "Eh." a little bit, I'll be totally honest with you. Like paleo and keto, they have their place. Absolutely. Um, paleo is a little bit restrictive in my opinion, because it's, it's, you know, based solely on the foods that our ancestors had, like from the the very beginning of time and eliminate some food groups like, like vegetables, um, which we know we need. And then, you know, keto, they're, they're very specific. They can be really hard to maintain, but by comparison, some that have withstood the test of time, like the Mediterranean diet or more recently, plant-based diets have been gaining more traction. And those have some validity because there's research behind them. Um, they're including all of the food groups. And, you know, the Mediterranean diet, for example, focuses more on lean proteins and getting fruits and veggies and 
um, nuts, seeds, those healthy unsaturated fats and oils. So again, all inclusive and allows you a little bit of flexibility. It's a lifestyle modification. It's something you want to be able to change and commit to for the rest of your life. Yeah, because that's the other thing. It's like when people are like, I'm on a no-carb diet. I'm like, okay, isn't it the moment you start eating carbs, you're going to... You have to be so sad. Like Carbs are necessary. Um, They're our body's most efficient source of fuel. They can all fit into our our day-to-day. And, you know, if you have certain medical conditions like diabetes, yeah, you're going to have to watch your carbohydrate uh, intake a little bit closer. But our bodies need that energy from carbohydrates, so they're necessary. So when someone comes to you and they're like, I need a, I guess, meal plan, a diet, they're going to use that word mm-hmm. probably for me. How do you, how should someone look at that that's listening to this decide who doesn't have a dietitian to go to or doesn't have someone to help them plan that? Like, how do you kind of, what do you, what do you want to call that? Manicure that to them. For the individual at home looking to kind of start making these lifestyle modifications, I think it's important to just step back and and focus on your personal needs. What is important to you with your health and moving forward? Um, what other health conditions are you managing? What's your budget? What, t- what amount of time do you have? What amount of energy do you have? I am a mom. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and I work full-time. So I have to prioritize where my energy goes. So for me, the goals have to be small and achievable. And that's what I've always encouraged um, people that I work with who are interested in weight management and, and losing weight, which is okay, is, you know, the simpler the eating plan, the more um, um, specific your goals are, the more likely you're going to stick to them long term. And I'd also recommend building in some flexibility I don't, I don't know how a lot of, if a lot of dietitians feel the same way, but I've always um, liked the 80-20 rule. So 80 to 90% of the time, you're trying to make the best choice um, of what's available to you. And then, you know, 10 to 20% of the time, have cake, um, have a glass of wine, have some ice cream when you go out to eat with your family. Like those type of things are okay. And it's important that you're not removing those favorite things from the foods that you're eating. No, I, I, that, and that's so relieving to hear. And honestly, like when you talk about giving yourself grace, like the 80, 20 thing, like it's okay probably to, to swing by, a you know, McDonald's every now and then if you just like, your kid is crying and you need a fix, you know, like, and, and I grew up like probably eating McDonald's a little too much, but, um, but I also, it didn't give me a complex. I will say that that's the other question I have, especially since you work in pediatrics is like, how do you. What's your suggestion on raising children without giving them a complex? Because you see some, you see two sides of it where it's like you don't want to give your kids Oreos every night or like let them go in there and get whatever they want. But at the same time, you also don't want them to feel like when they have a birthday party, they get so sick on sugar because they're never allowed sugar. So where's that medium? Yeah. And I mean, and, and again, I always kind of start, you know, every family is different. But for kids, I think it's important to, again, include all of those food groups, expose them to all of those food groups, not, um, you know, don't talk about their weight. And it's funny, I was just talking to my husband about this last night. Like, you know, we need to show them how much we respect our bodies and take care of ourselves and help them appreciate and love themselves from the get go. And when it comes to food, like it's, 
we give them what we have available to us to put on their plates. And I think uh, there's a recommendation out there that including the dessert with meals, for example, for kids. So it's not this like, not the holy grail where it's like, okay, I got to eat all of my dinner and not listen to my hunger cues so I can get that cookie. Um, It's more about just keeping all of our foods on the same playing field because they can all fit. Just like running through McDonald's. If we are busy and we're taking the kids, you know, from one place to the other, I'm not going to lie. We'll swing, swing through McDonald's and grab some happy meals every once in a while. And that's okay. It's so funny, like even growing up and again, back to the whole like cringe, I'm sure there's things we're doing now that we're going to find aren't as great. But, you know, I look back at like things that like, like cliff bars, not to call anybody out, but when I was growing up, like cliff bars were super healthy and, you know, those were things that as you get older in your teen years, I think you start doing things that you're like, oh, I'll be more health conscious. And I guess that's where diet culture gets a little iffy because there are things are things are promoted and products are sold by using words like whole grain, low fat, no sugar. But I still I still fall victim of it. Like I'm like, oh, no sugar. I'll just get it like low fat. I'm going to choose the low fat peanut butter. And it's like, no, just get the all natural one. So where where's your head at with how products in diet culture promote themselves? And when do you think it's when do you see something you're like, okay, no sugar, let's get that versus, you know, it being negative? Yeah. So, and I think it kind of, um, again, boils back to what, what conditions are you managing? Are you managing diabetes? Are you wanting to lower your sugar intake? Yeah, that's, that's going to be something to look for. Um, with the peanut butter, it's okay to enjoy the regular peanut butter or the all natural peanut butter. If that fits into your budget, you're still going to get really good, uh, really good source of protein, good nutrition from that. I think, and that's the hard part too, Hannah is like with ingredients, they're so, they can be really hard to understand and reading the label. If you don't have the, the uh, knowledge base or the resources to know what you're looking at. I mean, everything that that's in our food, um, you know, on the label has been tested and regulated, but I think, you know, when it comes to low sugar or diet, it's going to depend on what your goals are and does it taste good to you? Because flavor is still important and food in its own ways is therapeutic and it is associated with so many, um, you know, memories and, and you think of, you know, I can just think of sitting around the table with my family and I remember at Thanksgiving eating mashed potatoes or, you know, just uh, things like that. So I, I want people to be able to find a way to balance all of these foods um, without thinking that they have to choose no sugar every single time with every single product out there. Because marketing is, they're tricky. Like they'll get you <laughs> with their wording. Balance, balance, balance. My mom, actually, I feel very grateful, raised me with that concept. And she's, I'm one of three girls. I did, I was a competitive cheerleader. So there was a lot of things that she was trying to be very aware of when it comes to how female, young females, how impressionable they are with diet culture. I remember I was a quote unquote flyer my whole life until my junior year. And I became just like a little bit taller and, you know, just so I started being a base. And that can be really triggering, I guess, in diet culture. I luckily, again, 
didn't have a complex about it. And my mother was awesome. But I remember I asked her one day, I was like, hey, can we get some yogurt? Um, and she was like, are you okay? She like associated yogurt at the time with wanting to be on a diet and lose weight. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, thanks for being concerned. I really just want yogurt. I think that's when I talk about like, I started gravitating towards these things that were marketed as being so healthy, like a cliff bar or, you know, like low fat and like looking at those kinds of words and it can be a slippery slope. And again, I'm really grateful that I didn't slip far down that slope, but it can be tough, especially when you're in high school and college and, you know, those are things you're concerned about. You really don't care if it's better for you to eat all natural. You just want less calories. And I think that's also why this is so, goes so hand in hand with body image and, you know, how our society looks at body image and, and, you know, all of that. So it's, it's all tied in. It's all absolutely. Tough. And I mean, the media too, like these, they're, they're pictures of what's, what's perfect or um, how you should look and all of that. It just makes it that much more challenging for, you know, younger people too. Like you said, it's just so impressionable and you want to do the right thing. You want to fit in and, and sometimes you may not make the best choices to do that. And I, I've actually one of four girls. So we had lots of, lots of that. So I can relate, um, on, on that front. So it's, and it's hard. My youngest sister is actually in high school. She's a junior in high school. And I just, you know, talking to her about some of the, the things that just circle around in her and her friend circle. And I'm like, this is, this is so, this is not a good, this is so unhealthy. Like, why do you guys think you have to change what you eat or the way you look like just to fit in? And I wish, and I hope that we can continue working, um, to get away from that because it can be, like you said, really slippery slope and, um, makes it harder down the road. Just curious. Cause I feel like diet culture when I was in high school, I'm 30. So when I was younger, was a lot of miseducation too. So like even what was being marketed, there wasn't so much communication about it. Do you see with your sister, do you think, and just in general from people you talk to, the younger generation, because there is more um, knowledge when it comes to like spreading information on social media and stuff like that, like what is healthy, what's not healthy. Do you think that that generation, because there's so many things that generation so much better about than our generation um, when it comes to accepting and being open-minded about stuff? Do you think when it comes to diet culture, they're in a better place than we were? Or do you think it's still pretty toxic and just has its own new new evil? That's, that's a great question. And I think probably a little bit of both. Um, what I've seen, you know, even just scrolling TikTok or Instagram or, or whatever, the amount of misinformation that's out there is so much more, it's right at their fingertips, right at our fingertips. And yeah, you know, you don't always know what's right and what's wrong. Like, okay, this sounds legit, you know, but is it, and how do you wade through that? So I think when it comes to social media and marketing, they, they may be seeing and going through more than what we did when we were in high school, because it's like MySpace and Facebook, Facebook were quite up to up to where social media is now. Um, so, so while we were lacking information, they might have they too actually much. have probably too much information. Yeah. So when it comes, okay. So this one's a little bit more obvious. I feel like our generation knew it. The new, every generation knows about organic products. Are all organic products created equal, 
Or like, do you really need to be splurging on organic products? I'm at a place where I can afford my groceries. Whereas when I was in college, I was like, not doing the organic. (laughs) I'm like, screw the organic. Like, I'm not paying a dollar extra for that. But I still see myself sometimes being like, do I really need to get the organic one? That is $2 more and I'm getting three of them. You know, so is it, where's your mindset with organic products? Yeah, and I'd say this is probably one of the questions I get most frequently. And when it comes to organic products, they have their their benefits, right? I mean, they're, the farming practices are designed to protect our soil and the environment, um, different practices for raising animals and, and things of that nature. But what I, I, what I like to talk about with organic is just the fear mongering that is associated or can be associated with it, that it's organic is always better. And that's not true because it is better for you to eat like conventional produce than no produce at all. And there have been studies that have shown that people, when they can't afford organic, they just don't buy any fruits or vegetables at all because they don't think that those are the right choice or the best choice for them. And so I I want to start by saying it is okay to buy conventional produce of any type and it's okay to buy organic too. If that's what, what you like, if that's what fits your budget, that's fantastic. But I want to make sure that anyone that I talk to knows that as, as long as you're trying to get your fruits and vegetables in, whether they're frozen, frozen, fresh, canned, organic or not, that's the ultimate goal. And it's important to also recognize that although it's usually not as frequent with uh, organic products as it might be with conventional, organic farmers can still use certain types of pesticides. They are permitted to use certain types of organic pesticides versus the synthetic that might be used on our conventional produce. So that what that's important to know. And a good rinse, like in some cold water for a couple seconds when you buy your produce or, or scrubbing those that have the hard exterior um, rind or... or um, like a banana, you can't scrub a banana. Sorry, like apples. Sorry, it's a better example. They're gonna yeah. be, they're gonna be fine, and it's gonna get um, the majority of that, um, whatever might be on the outside off. I'm a very trusting person, but I think that's what makes all this hard. Is like we're at a place where we're like we don't trust marketing. You don't trust when you see organic, so then you end up just not doing any of it, and that's that's a part of diet culture. And I think, like you said, it's the eighty twenty. It's balancing, finding a good little healthy medium. Is there anything that you would say is off limits for you that you're like, I, because you seem like someone who's like, it's all in moderation, which I appreciate because I'm a big moderation person too. But is there anything where you're like, it's almost like, you know, no smoking. Like there's a hard limit there. When I, especially when I was pregnant, there were all these things that were like, you can have this, it's all moderation. But then there were like hard limits, like don't smoke cigarettes. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there anything where you look at diet culture or what you should be consuming that you're like, that's going to be a non-negotiable. Don't do that. I think the, I mean, really, if we're going to, I don't have anything in particular when it comes to food, it's boils down to what you have access to and what's, what's going to fit and work best for your family. But I mean, certain things that are hard, no, when it relates to diet culture are things like diet pills and things that promote a quick fix and weight loss really fast. So those type of things they that's no, that would be a hard no for me when it relates to diet, but food wise, um, yeah, nothing really that I would say, no, you can't ever have that or no, I would never eat that personally. At the end of the day, I think what you've said about balance, putting your mental health first, 
and finding that medium. And of course, there's exceptions to every rule. Like you've mentioned, there's medical exceptions that you have to be a little bit more strict on, but overall kind of finding that that medium. I need you to be my dietitian because, you know, you sit there and you look at the menu and you're like, okay, I'll get this version. You know, I'll get the low fat uh, dressing. And it's like, like you said, finding the balance. Um, but I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, obviously, I, w- I would ask for if you have any recommendations of where to do research, obviously we can share that. But at the end of the day, like you said, do your own research um, and make a balanced decision for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And just kind of remember, you know, anything that sounds too good to be true when it comes to diet and nutrition, most of the time it is. Um, so yeah, it's been so nice talking about this, Hannah. Obviously, I love what I do. I love nutrition. It isn't black and white. So I'm glad, it, I hope that I can, um, was able to clear clear some things up for for people out there. Per usual, the information shared on this podcast reflects my views or opinions or those of my guests and is presented as a general information only without guaranteeing its completeness. Nothing in this episode is intended to be or shall be construed as a statement of fact or any legal, medical, or other professional advice. Any reference to a specific product or entity is not an endorsement or recommendation unless expressly stated otherwise.